The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's going on, everybody? RJ Ochoa here from SB Nation's bloggingtheboys.com. Welcome to our post-Hard Knocks reaction show. We've been doing these after every episode of the show. Over the last month, we've been working very hard, but not anywhere near as hard as our special guests tonight. We do have Meg Murray and Roy White joining us as they have throughout all of our post-show discussions. But very special guest, round of applause for NFL Films is Shannon Furman, the director of Hard Knocks, who is on the East Coast and is staying up late to join us for our live show. Shannon, congratulations on another season of Hard Knocks in the books. Thank you. Thanks for watching. That's literally what we've been doing. So, I mean, the floor is yours. What are your, like, I feel like this is like, you've done several seasons of Hard Knocks, several seasons of All or Nothing. You have touched so many NFL films, properties. Do you feel like when you wake up out of surgery, is that what you feel like right now? And you're kind of like the anesthesia is wearing off? That's what I imagine it to be like. Um, Yeah, it's probably a little bit like that. I mean, I think it, it feels like, a truck has been lifted off my back, kind of. Um, so it's a good feeling, but it's it's always like kind of weird because you like even just like coming back home. I like I bought a house right before I left, so I've only lived in this house, this kitchen I'm sitting in right now for I think I was here for three weeks, and then I left for seven weeks. So you might hear some crickets and frogs chirping because my air conditioner decided to not work today. So they're coming to fix that tomorrow. It's still wearing so a hoodie. Bold choice. <laughs> it was just on the table. It's late. I'm in my pajamas. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's a relief to be done. As much fun as we have, it's also a stressful process. So um, I'm ready for a little break. Well, on that front, I'd like to take the first question, if I may, because I'm always fascinated on the like the production side. And I don't think people really know what goes into a 45 to an hour long episode. So I guess take us through what an average day was like for you during this process. When did you start? When did you end? And how much of a crew did you guys have? You know, was it a couple cameras where you kind of having to piece together people in the right spots or do you guys have like 30 people that are all trying to capture every moment on the field um yeah so we have a whole we have a team of people in the field and then there's another team of people that are back in new jersey so with me i had a crew of 35 people in both oxnard and dallas we kind of did a switch over at the halfway point and took um, switch some of the camera and audio folks out, but the directors and project managers, we all stay on the whole time. 
Um, the staff back at Films is probably similar in size, around 30 people that are editing and logging and kind of organizing all of the footage that we're sending back home. So our days were long this year. Um, it's always a little bit different depending on how coaches run camps and things like that. Last year, because of COVID and the tier system and things, um, our days were a little bit shorter. Plus, we had two teams last year, so it was a little bit less crazy of a schedule. But this year, our days would go from about – I found myself waking up most days between 5 and 6. I, I'm a big – I work out. I like to lift weights. I didn't really have a place to lift weights, so I was working out in my hotel room at 5 a.m. and then going over to practice – and we'd be there till, oh gosh, I don't know, probably like seven o'clock at night. We'd usually go seven, eight o'clock, and then we'd go just eat dinner in our hard knocks outfits all the time. I, we very rarely <laughs> change into regular clothes. Um, we let the crew gets to leave a little bit before us, but the directors kind of stick around and we, we have to plan out the whole next day um, and just kind of everything that's going on from there. So we have to stay a little bit longer. But, and then the people at home, they're kind of operating maybe like an hour or two behind us. We feed the footage back, like as it's happening, even like halfway through practice, we break cards. That's what we call like our media. We break cards um, and we, we feed stuff back so they can start working on it pretty much in real time. And things are like assigned by character and position and stuff like that. So different people will work on different position groups. Like someone will be assigned DAC um, and they just kind of cut little sequences. And then there's, um, two people who it's their job to kind of make sense of everything that's being edited and put into a whole story. So I always say the hardest part of Hard Knocks for me is like not being able to press the buttons back at home and choose exactly what's going into the show. Um, we, we work a little differently at films, like for the rest of the year, I would for the most part, like pitch my own pieces, go out and direct them and then come home and edit them and write them and get them on the air. So this is one of the things that we do do where I don't get to kind of have final creative say over what's going in, which can sometimes be a struggle, but that's the Cliff's Notes version of how we kind of put, get the show on the air. Um, it's a machine though. I mean, this is our 20th season this year. So we revamp it, try to make it as efficient as possible every year. And it's, it's still a learning process every year. We still change some things. So um, uh, go ahead, Mick. Go for it. Sorry. Um, I was just going to say, um, how do you guys go about choosing who you highlight? Because um, there's there's so much between, you know, the game versus, you know, family and all that. So just kind of yeah. wonder what your process is. Yeah, we have, before we even go on location, we do like a character research meeting. So all the directors, we divide up the whole roster, the coaching staff, the front office. And we're kind of, we kind of like stalk their Instagrams, stalk their Twitter, all that stuff, and just come up with this big notepad. And then we all meet and we sit down and we talk about every single person on the roster and front office. And we go into it kind of knowing like who we want to target, but always like people always end up emerging. I mean, I think our star that everybody loved this year was Aiden Diggs and we knew Trayvon had a son, but we had no idea um, <laughs> that he was going to be like that. So the whole point, like we started following Trayvon just because we thought it was interesting that his brother was or Stefan Diggs. So I, like 
to be honest with you, I didn't even know Stefan Diggs had a brother coming into this whole thing when we started researching the team. I probably shouldn't be admitting that out loud, but I didn't. Um, and uh, so that was why we wanted to get that, those two together for a FaceTime. We had talked to Trayvon about how he had a son um, and when he was going to be around and whatnot. And we didn't know he was even going to be on the shoot that day. And then when we pulled up his house, um, well, they, like, I think he had just got done picking him up at the airport. He jumped out of the car at the same time as we did. And he walked right up to me and said, um, I'm Aiden, I'm four. My birthday's November 1st and I'm intelligent. And I was like, okay, yeah, you're a star. Um, yes. This, this is going to be great. <laughs> um, so yeah, kind of from there, it was less about the FaceTime with the all pro brother and became more <laughs> about his son. So um, that was like a happy accident that happened there. Sorry guys, someone is texting me. Let me get rid of that. Um, uh, Shannon had to use her phone to log in uh, just so yeah, everyone's aware. My, That's... my computer is being weird and my microphone is like blocked and I can't figure out why. I'm, I'm technologically challenged. I'm just... <laughs> I'm an artist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Shannon, we have some questions from people. I still have a lot to be selfish, um, but uh, Toddster wants to know if you and Micah celebrated the Penn State win over Wisconsin. Um, Shannon is a proud Penn State alum, just for anyone who is unaware. Uh, yes, I Couldn't actually watched the game with Micah. <laughs> Little humble brag there. <laughs> I, I was, mean, you know, I've... I've known Micah for a while now because of um, just because hey, of the rookie. Penn State connection and, and yeah, hey, he's been with us. So um, I get to know some of those kids at Penn State early on, which is cool for me. Uh, James Franklin's been good to me and lets me be around the program and stuff. So that's fun. So yeah, I did get to, I watched the Wisconsin game with Micah and his mom. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, we have another Micah, not Parsons, uh, but just on the stream here that said highlighting Bones' Bones's vasectomy was definitely a think piece. Uh, that got a lot of pop, no pun intended. Uh, I don't know if that's a pun. I hope not. But, um, you know, early know on. Go, yeah, go ahead, Roy, if you have a question I, about the vasectomy. Yes. Well, real quickly, actually, not the vasectomy, but Micah's mom, did she make you food? What did you get Good to question. eat of hers? Um, that day, no, because the game was early. It was like 11 o'clock, but I've, I've had Micah's mom's cooking and it's excellent. <laughs> it looked excellent. Yeah. Sorry, RJ, to jump on your, your, your dingy joke. Get back no, to it. I wasn't, it wasn't about the joke, but, um, I mean, you've, you've put together Shannon hard knocks, obviously forever. And you've, you've done you know, weird things, right? Like you've, you've covered weird stories, like weird things happen, you know, with different teams or whatever. The vasectomy thing, like what, what leads to that making the show, making the final cut? Cause there's so many things that don't like, or is it just somebody's like editing things and they're like, this is hilarious. You know, like I, we have to get this in. Like, is there, is there a meeting is, are there two people that have a discussion that are like, I think this should get in the show. And somebody says, I agree. I mean, because that was, you know, that was like the first thing we saw. But Bones is a, a NFL film star. He's you guys have covered him forever on different things. So what made you decide to highlight this particular portion of his life? I remember them. To, I think that that happened very early on in camp. And I remember our robo operators. That's what we call our cameras that are in the meeting rooms and stuff. Um like saying something to me about it, but like, I don't know that they told me it was as funny and as great as it was. So 
it kind of wasn't even on my radar until I watched the first cut and I was like, oh my goodness. And um, yes, I've known Bones and his wife for a while now. So I immediately kind of texted Bones and was like, um, do you remember talking about your vasectomy in a meeting? And he was like, oh yeah, it was great. It was one of our greatest <laughs> meetings ever. And I was like, okay. And he's like, is it in the show? And I was like, um, yes, it is. Like, it's, it's in there. And um, he's like, yep, no secrets here. Like, that's fine by me. Like, we, my wife and I are very open about this. And you're, you're good. Like, that's totally fine. But then I felt like I needed to talk to Elizabeth, too, because Elizabeth is a good friend of mine. And I was just kind of like, oh, my gosh, I don't know. I know Bones spends a lot of hours at the facility. I don't want him to forget to tell her. So I wanted to make sure that she knew it was going to be in there and she was fine with it too. So um, yeah, I imagine whoever was assigned special teams that week came across his meeting, saw it, knew how amazing it would be. Um, and then once I knew it was in the show, I had some time to talk to them and make sure that they were okay with it. And yeah, that was kind of a no brainer. Were there any stories that didn't make the final cut that you saw in person or that you went over that you thought this is going to be phenomenal? I mean, is there stuff that's that great that just didn't make it to the cutting room floor for, you know, whatever reason? I mean, this year I can, we were, we, I was talking about this with the other directors the other day and there, I don't know if this is for me, it's a good thing, but, um, I'm very targeted in what I shoot. I don't like to waste guys' time. I know that they're on a strict schedule as it is, and they don't have a lot of time. So this was the first year where there was not one off-the-field shoot that wasn't used. We kind of went all in on quality over quantity this year and just wanted to make the shoots that we were doing like as good as they could possibly be. So um, were there stories that we missed? I'm sure there was a ton of good stories. Um, like, I, I know, like, last year, not that you guys care about the Chargers, but Derwin James was someone who we were trying to get in the show every week last year, and it never worked out. And then he tore his ACL for the final show, and it was kind of like we had never introduced this guy, and now this major story was happening. So this year, I'm trying to think. There has to be someone that we thought we would highlight going into it, and then we didn't get to. We, I mean, we got to highlight a lot of the big stars this year, which – was our goal. Um, oh, a ton of them. You guys, yeah, covered almost every, I think, angle from that perspective of it. Yeah, I mean, I like we went into this kind of saying we wanted to, I think Tampa Bay was another hard knocks where we did a good job of highlighting their stars at the time. It was like Gerald McCoy, Mike Evans, Jameis, like all those guys, and they all bought in and we got a lot of airtime. So um, we wanted it to be similar to that. And I think we did a good job of that, like working in, I mean, Demarcus Lawrence was on pup, but we still were able to shoot with him and his family and show some of his game highlights. So I think we got like all of those guys in there for the most part. I mean, I guess maybe the linebackers, we could have done more with Jalen and Layton, but, um, Micah just kind of ended up being the star of that group and, um, kind of stole the show there. But other than that, I think we got, most of those guys in there that we that we wanted to um yeah I the players lobby to be on it do they lobby do they come to you and make a case like you guys should come over to my house like see what see what my backyard's like you, should come I mean, out. you can tell sometimes when they're into it i think like everyone's very aware like no one wants to look like that guy who's like trying to be on hard knocks but you can tell when they're into it and you know, the ones that want nothing to do with you. 
<laughs> There's signs. <laughs> the office of linemen guys... typically is where that comes oh, from. Just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, how did you guys handle the like wrench that was thrown in with the DAC injury? I'm sure you had other things that you were trying to focus on, but then you get something like that. How did that uh, go for you guys? Yeah, I mean, that was definitely not something that we saw coming. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you just kind of, it, it really was kind of crazy because I've answered this a couple times now. What you saw on the show, it, I think the Cowboys were very upfront about what was happening. So because they were so upfront, like we had to be very upfront with it. So, I mean, I even like I had a conversation with Coach McCarthy about that. I was like, I mean, you guys have put everything is kind of out there. Like it really wasn't that big of a deal, but it was something that happened. Um, so you obviously hear that over the wires. We have like around 10 guys mic'd at practice every day, including the head coach. So we knew it was happening, but like it didn't seem like a big deal at the time. Um, but it is the quarterback and it's Dak. So you're kind of like, you just follow your storylines. Like everybody's like, well, what do you do? I'm like, well, we don't panic. <laughs> we just kind of keep going with like what's happening that day. And then you're just in touch with the team. And like, it really was like a minor thing. But when it's your quarterback, who's just coming off of a whole another surgery and stuff, you have to be careful with it. So kind of what they were telling everyone is really what was going on. So we just did our best to be able to show that. And I almost wanted to, there was times where I wanted to be like, stop talking, <laughs> stop talking because we're going to need to like cover this more if you're going to keep talking about it. So, um, yeah, I don't think it changed anything. It might've changed how we were going to cover Dak throughout the rest of the series because he was more limited in practices and things like that. And like Dak is awesome. So like when he would wear like micro, the microphone he wore for us, like the first week we were like, this is great. And he has, an even bigger personality now than he did. I was here in 2017 to do all or nothing. And obviously he was only in his second year that year. Um, so just kind of seeing his maturation process and his personality grow, like you could definitely see that from 2017 till now for me at least. So that's the one thing it would have been cool because he's really fun to watch throwing a football. So we didn't get to do that again until the final week, like for real. So we might've gotten to see some cool Zach highlights. I mean, last year, the Justin Herbert stuff that was in the show was pretty impressive of him throwing. We could have done probably some more stuff with that with him if he was um, more active in practice, but I don't think it changed up things too, too much for us. I have a lot of logistical questions, Shannon, uh, which based on our conversations we've had before, I don't think is surprising. Um, but so I feel like this was a weird season of, it was a great season of Harnock. So weird is not a bad thing, but you were thrown a lot of curveballs, like besides the DAC thing and obviously still operating in COVID, but you were thrown the, okay, there's only three preseason games now. And there's the bye week after the preseason and before the regular season. And this team that you're covering is in the Hall of Fame game. And so I know when the schedule first came out, I was kind of surprised that there was going to be an episode this week. And so it was kind of a constant, I didn't know were you guys going to show players getting cut last week, the the day that it happened? You know, like, how did you – I feel like it had to have been new for you. Like, how did you balance that? How did you go into it and say, well, we've always done it this way because the schedule's always been this way. Did you just kind of decide let's try it this way and, and see what those results yield? Yeah, I think this year was a kind of let's try and see what happens. I think there's going to be some changes next year um, based off of this year. So – 
it, it was, I mean, so we were there a week earlier because of the Hall of Fame game. So it was seven weeks instead of six weeks. So we essentially shot for like 30 days in Oxnard for two shows. And then I believe we were in Dallas. It was like something like I was there for 22 days, but I think we were only like shooting like actively like for like 18 days for three shows. We might have had like eight practices for three shows in Dallas while we had like 20 some for um, two shows in Oxnard. So none of that is ideal. Um, and then the timing of everything too, like the timing of the games and the move didn't allow you to even like stretch any of Oxnard into show three because it was a very definitive date when it ended and like because of how their games fell and stuff. So um, it was tricky. And I think like some things end up working out for the best. I mean, I think we got a great ending scene with Mr. Jones because we're trying to figure out like the regular season, like they're done. Like it's a training camp show. Coach McCarthy does not want us there once he's preparing for the Buccaneers. So it's like, okay, well, how are we going to end this show? And um, you use the owner who's fantastic. And I think we got a pretty cool ending kind of off of making an adjustment of like, this isn't a normal year. How do we cover this? What do we do? And so we had to kind of think outside of the box. And that was how we kind of came up with the idea to uh, shoot watching the first practice with Mr. Jones instead of being out there. But um, I think there'll be adjustments made next year. <laughs> Speaking of logistics, let's talk about the moment that everybody was talking about. And it didn't have anything to do with an individual player. It was the drone shot. Take us through kind of because we I've heard a couple of things since then that it was done in only 15 tries. That seems pretty phenomenal. And that it was done on what was going to be the last attempt for you guys. How did you coordinate? And one thing I just because my audio mind is like I, there may not be anybody else that cares about this. Did you have a microphone on the drone or did you? clip in the, the the audio afterwards to make it sound as if the drone was flying near the individual where the audio was coming from and then away from the individual that the audio was coming from. So I can't tell. Well, okay. So I don't know if that, I, I assume they got it on their 15th take. So that's why it was done. Um, I don't know if they, I know there was a tight time window because I think there was a concert in the star that night. So they had, they had done dress rehearsals kind of the day before. So they knew everything. I wasn't there for it. We were still in Oxnard. So okay. Jason Weber, one of, um, one of my coworkers, he was the person who directed it. But uh, I don't know if you guys saw, there was a video that went viral back in, I don't know, in the spring at some point in a bowling alley uh, yep. with a drone. So it was oh, yeah. basically the same thing. So we saw that video and we were like, how can we do this and make it even cooler? So how, how did you see it? Sorry, Shannon. Like just like somebody texted it to y'all. Like you just saw it on Twitter, like and it, just kind of casually chilling. And so yeah, you just like, viral. you were like, we got to do something like this. Like at some point. Yeah. Everybody it just kind of started. We started like emailing it to each other at work. Like everybody kind of, someone sent it out on like a group email and we're all watching it and we're like, well, how could we do it? Where would it be appropriate? Um, we threw around, should we do it for the Hard Knocks Open? And then it was like, well, the Open's only like 35 seconds, so that's not long enough. And we were talking about just other shows too, not even just Hard Knocks, just our shows in general. Like, where would it make sense to do something like this? And then um, we came up with the idea of doing it for the move. It kind of worked out perfectly 
that they were leaving. So like, let's do it for the move back to Dallas. Um, we hired the same guy who did the drone work in Minnesota. Uh, one of our drone operators was there also, but we did use the same company that did the work in Minnesota. And uh, the audio, we had Sydney Johnson, who's a Dallas local who does a lot of work with us. She was on my crew for the second half. She was one of our, um, our sound people. She was the audio technician that was there that day. So she would be much better to answer these questions than me, but it is, it is real. There were microphones placed there. I don't believe it was a microphone on the drone. I think there was microphones placed around the star. So I think it was like close and, and it was just recording that audio. So I don't think it was recording it on the drone, but it was, she had microphones placed like near the guy running near the yoga teacher in this, in the star with the reporter. Um, all that so it wasn't just like sound effects after the fact i mean there were obviously sound effects yeah. in there too but um yes we still did use an audio person to capture real in the moment audio on that shoot so um yeah i, I like i said i don't know about the 15th take thing i'm just assuming that after you get it you're kind of like okay well now we're done <laughs> and yeah. i don't know how I don't know how many hours that took. I've heard three. I've heard, I, I've heard a couple different numbers. I never, I didn't confirm any of that. So I'm not entirely sure, but I do know there was an event in the star that night. So it was a little bit of a time crunch. That's why they took the dress rehearsal the day before very seriously, made sure they had a plan um, so that they could do this. But I think they wanted to, um, the car that it drove, it flew through. The that Ford. One, I, did, I did hear that was supposed to be driving, but they couldn't. It couldn't yeah. get it. So it made I have it just... to do. I have to reset that car like eight times in a row. I felt yeah. bad for the guy jogging in the beginning. I wonder how many laps <laughs> he had to do. And the yoga folks, I wonder how much how much time they have for that class. But that well, was. I, I heard the really yoga cool. people are because I thought I was like, are the yoga people CGI? Are they really there? Like, <laughs> I know. What? And they were like, no, like that's a class. Like that wasn't anybody like that we placed there. Like I guess there's just yoga classes there daily so that was a class that happened to be there so it worked out hey this is scott galloway author professor entrepreneur and most importantly host of the prop g podcast we got a special series running on right now called the future of work where i answer all your questions on surprise the future of work questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking from the provocative to the technical we're offering insights you won't want to miss so tune in to the future of work a prop g pod special sponsored by canva you can find it on the prop g pod wherever you get your podcasts um shannon on the subject of audio I, I really feel like you you shined a lot of light on different stars. Again, we saw Dak, we saw Micah, we saw McCarthy, we saw Zeke. I mean, um, I feel like more star power for the team that you're covering than we've seen in recent Hard Knocks season. The Tampa one is definitely a great example. And you got Amari Cooper to wear a mic. Uh, you're really great at developing relationships with your subjects that, you know, that, that we've seen. Again, Shannon does so many wonderful movies for NFL films. How did that, like, what's that conversation like? Because Amari is... Anyone watching live or listening after the fact or Megan Roy can tell you, he is the most quiet dude on this team. And so that you got him to give you anything is the shocker of all shockers. I'm everyone keeps saying that about him and Trayvon that like, totally. I can't believe you got Trayvon to show you his kid. I mean, like that's (laughs) unbelievable. (laughs) I, I don't know. I mean, I will say that my past experiences with Amari, he has been very quiet and, 
I know like not super into like doing NFL top 100, things like that, but this was not a difficult sell. Um, I don't know if he had seen the show and he really liked it. Um, I know he was just excited to be back on the field with his teammates. It killed him to be on pup to start the year. Like probably as much as it killed me to read tweets every week. Like why haven't we seen Amari Cooper? Well, he's not practicing folks. So as soon as he is, we will try and get him out there for you. But um, so yeah, we knew that we wanted to do that as soon as we got back to Dallas. And we also knew with the limited number of practices, we wanted to make a whole event out of his first practice and wearing a wire that day. So I'm not even sure, which I can't really take credit for convincing him to wear the wire. One of my other directors did that. And, um, you know, the Cowboys PR staff, Joe Trahan from the Cowboys PR staff was very helpful with things like that this summer too. So it, he was not difficult at all. He wore a wire several times, I think too, in those last three weeks that we were there. So he was, he was fun to work with. Um, and I, I, that's one of actually like my sneaky favorite scenes from the show is kind of how they combined his first practice with the thunderstorm that happened that day and kind of showed off his route running there. I think that was, that was definitely one of my favorite moments. That was an artistic choice, uh, much like Jerry and his uh, McGriddle <laughs> with the salt. <laughs> I had no idea that happened until I watched the first cut of the show. I was like, what in the name of God is happening here? He's just a like content creator at all times. So what was it like to like shoot him and get stuff out of him? I, I He's wonderful. Like he's, he's super open to like just showing us his life and doing things with him. So even like the helicopter scene was not something that was planned very far in advance. It was kind of that morning, like you're going on the helicopter. I was like, okay, let me figure this out because no one is prepared to do that and everyone's on their way to the stadium. Um, and then people were like, oh, is that fake? Did you make him turn around and pick up Steven? I'm like, no, no, we didn't ask the owner of the team to fake leaving his son at the helipad. Like, <laughs> no, that really happened. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, he's just, he's great. And he's like a walking soundbite. I would usually go with like my questions in hand and he answers like three things at one time and it's always gold. So um, I loved working with him and getting to know him better. I didn't get to know him real well on All or Nothing. So it was fun for me to get to know him and um, Charlotte a little bit better this year. I wish we had seen, she's someone who I wish we had seen more of her in the show. I should have answered that for that question. <laughs> I wish we could have gotten more of her because I think she's very interesting and, and very good at what she does. Yeah, she did, you have a lot any, <laughs> did you have any of Jerry's tea, Shannon? Because I know when I've spoken to Chris Weaver, I know he did the a football life on Jerry. Um, that there was like a big scene in that that film about the tea, the sweet tea or like unsweet tea that Jerry drinks. And Chris went on this big tirade about it. So I don't know if you had a glass. I did not get to have any of that. All I saw Jerry eating was fast food this summer. I was gonna say, so that's other, like, you really saw that? Because we, we kind of thought that that was like fraudulent. This whole like, I eat Whataburger five times a week thing. So you you can vouch for this. Yeah, no, it's not fraudulent. <laughs> just say right. you guys need a master cut of Jerry just eating regular people's food. And I promise <laughs> you that's a video that will go viral in and of itself. Jerry, well, he said he's, after he's show good. one, he said... Um, the McGriddle scene, obviously, he's like, Well, Shannon, maybe next week you can get me doing something I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> uh, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> so, I have a question about tonight's episode. 
Um, I think you're aware, Shannon, you mentioned Twitter. Um, Mike McCarthy is accused of loving Ben DiNucci a lot. And like, I feel like tonight's episode, we got the most, and I don't mean to imply that there wasn't any of this, you know, in the, the previous four episodes, we got, we got the most like football-y opinion from Mike McCarthy. We got the most like football conviction from him, um, talking about Ben DiNucci. Cause he got kind of, I wouldn't say emotional, but he got kind of like, look, you know, I don't want to cut a guy in his second year. And then he even doubled down on it later talking about, you know, these, these guys who were rookies during the pandemic season last year, et cetera. And, you know, obviously like people have different interpretations of, uh, the hard knocks vetting process and, you know, you showing it to teams and them clearing you to, to do different stuff, I guess. I guess my question is, what was Mike McCarthy like to work with in that sense? I mean, was it a lot of no, no way, hell knows, whatever? Or was it really passive? Was it like, hey, that's cool? Because you obviously aren't going to want to show these, you know, you know all the secrets. You know the Cowboys won in the Super Bowl, obviously. Um, so, I mean, what what was he like to work with specifically? Because his reputation among football fans is in an interesting place as well right now. I mean, I wish that you guys got to know Mike McCarthy the way I got to know him this summer. Um He's one of the best people I've ever met in football. He's just, he, he doesn't want to be highlighted. He wants his players to be highlighted. He's used to kind of being more behind the scenes in Green Bay. And then you come to Dallas and obviously it's a different deal between the Packers and the Cowboys. So, um, I mean, I learned so much about him this summer. He's a great storyteller. He has tons of stories, but, uh, yeah, he prefers that the players be highlighted uh, more so than himself. So, I mean, he did all the things. He wore the wire every day. We were in team meeting, all that every day. But we didn't, I would have liked to have met his family, but I get it. I get why. And a lot of times, the, I'm trying to think the years that we did have the head coach's family in the show. It's not something we do every year. But I think it would have been nice to see the, like, girl dad side of Mike. But, I mean, he really is a great person. Um if you ever do get to meet him, he's just ask him to tell him that you want to learn about Pittsburgh. He loves Pittsburgh. He loves the city where he's from and that whole area. So I had, I think his sisters all went to Penn state. So I had a little bit of an in there with him once he found that out, but yeah, I mean, he does, he does like Ben DiNucci. I don't think that that's a secret. And <laughs> when you're around him, you kind of, you understand why. I mean, I guess like, did Ben play good in the preseason? No, he, he didn't. And he admitted that himself in the show. But coach doesn't want to give up on him yet. He saw something in him when they drafted him last year. Was he drafted or was he undrafted? He, he was, was a seventh-round pick. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so I just don't think he's ready to give up on that yet. I think he thinks the Eagles game from last year was a little bit unfair with the amount of offensive linemen that were out, just the whole situation that season. Just feels like maybe Ben wasn't prepared enough and is just – he wants to try to give him a chance, I think, to get past that. So um, I can understand it because I've heard a lot of the behind the scenes and stuff all summer. I get why fans might not understand it, but it's a practice squad spot. So, you know, give him, give him another year. Give him a chance. <laughs> well, based on all the, you know, the videos and the, and the clips that you got to go through and really the insight that you've gained into, like, getting to know these guys on a personal level – is there any insight you can share about how the Cowboys operate that maybe wasn't shown on the the program itself? Is there anything that uh, that would surprise people about either how decisions are made? I mean, we kind of got Jerry and Steven sitting in the personnel room, you know, kind of eye to eye with Will McClay having a conversation over players. So I think that was a, a portion that maybe fans 
might still be surprised by that Jerry's like actively involved in those conversations. Was there anything else that you you saw that maybe didn't make it to the uh, the show itself? Hmm. I'm trying to think. I don't know. Like, as far as like the decision making process goes, I I don't think there was anything. I mean, I think it was great that there's a lot of teams these days that like the Chargers didn't have many staff meetings last year, like if any, really. Um, things were done like kind of on a one-on-one basis with Anthony Lynn and Tom Telesco. I thought it was kind of cool to be able to have access to some of those staff meetings again um, in the show this year, especially episode one had a bunch and then seeing Jerry and Steven involved in that process in the final show. Um, I don't know. And not as far as the decisions go. I mean, I wish we, it kind of stunk when we lost Dan Quinn with the COVID situation. Mm. Could have seen more of him if, if that hadn't happened, but I don't really, I can't think of anything right off the top of my head that about it. I mean, I just know I like, again, like I love coming to Dallas cause I like the city. I like, the guys, it's a great locker room. I mean, I don't know how, if you're a player and you come there on a visit, <laughs> if they offer you a contract, I don't know how you're leaving. <laughs> like, it's well, just. Well, let me ask the question in a better way then. Is the Cowboys decision-making process the best one that you've seen in your experience at Hard Knocks? If you say no, people will riot, Shane. It just you better not. <laughs> yeah. I kid. I mean, you got an easy layup if you want to say yes, but you don't have to say yes. Because I mean, there are many Cowboys really fans know. that probably disagree. <laughs> I don't really know if I'm the best person to ask about that question. <laughs> Just because I, I can say that, like, I like the way the Cowboys organization is run. Um, the decision-making process, like, I'm not a football guru, so I don't – I know as much as I, I try to learn X's and O's and things like that. And inside, like, I like working on our shows that are more X and O detailed so I can learn more about those things. Um, but I think I do know people well and just how to kind of manage people and do things. And I will say I – I like I I love the way the Cowboys organization is run. I love that Jerry cares so much about his team, because um, there have definitely been hard knocks where the owner is more of an absentee owner, and you see kind of other things come from that. So I do love the passion around the Cowboys, and just that I think he said this a million times. He could be anywhere in the world at this point in his life, but like. He loves football. He loves this team and he wants everyone around him and under him like to, to feel the same way. So I think that his passion is really cool. And I, that's what I love about the Cowboys organization. Um, Shannon, this was uh, something that was really popular in Cowboys Twitter. When you guys showed the joint practice between the Cowboys and the Rams, um, it was sort of pieced together by people that you guys showed those um, in reverse order or a random order, the scuffles. Uh, we have, do have a question here on the stream as to why that happened. Uh, the question comes from Yuma Cactus, who says, I know why, but I want to hear an official explanation. That, so, so you're aware the general assumption is that that was more aesthetically pleasing, uh, that that was more movie like. Uh, but, you know, I'll give you the floor. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, some, I know there was like something out there, like, why didn't they have this fight that like, I think the Cowboys cameras captured and it's like the Aaron well, Donald, Connor Williams fight was what everyone wanted to see. Yeah. Well, so we didn't have Connor Williams mic'd. Um, so we only, we had 10 guys mic'd that day. So 
I mean, yes, there were strict instructions to whenever Aaron Donald is on the field, um, we be around that, like be near it, at least whoever's on the D line that day. So we did have a crew covering the D line. Um, but it's like, you can't predict when those moments are exactly sure. going to erupt and stuff. So, um, and then, yeah, as far as like them not going in chronological order and stuff, they're going to edit things that, you know, with the beat of the music, things like that, the build up. So it was like, you know, something that happened in that day after the Aaron Donald fight. Of course, we're going to build up to the Aaron Donald fight. That was the moment everybody remembered. That's the moment everybody's waiting for. So even if one of the scuffles happened after that, I think like, yeah, we we, we don't follow a strict chronological order on Hard Knocks. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's kind of just to, to make the best montage and sure. go with the music and the storyline. I have another decision-making question, actually. Um, so Mike McCarthy was all about these mojo moments. Um, <laughs> I believe it was like one of the first episodes, maybe second. But um, we didn't see it continue throughout. So firstly, like, did you see him come up with that? <laughs> and also, um, did he just not bring it up the rest of the time? Or we had we had a lot to highlight, so. Yeah, no. Um... Yeah, that is his thing. That's his voice on the time for a mojo moment. They recorded that um, at camp. I'm not sure if it's something he did, if that was a thing he did this year, or if it's something he's always done. I'm not positive. I know they did it all the time in Oxnard. Um, they did it at least once a practice, if not twice a practice in Oxnard. But when we got back to Dallas, I, I literally think we only had seven practices um, and it didn't happen in Dallas. So I don't know if it's something he's going to continue to do throughout the season um, as they like prepare for their regular season games. But in Oxnard, it was an everyday thing, sometimes twice a day. But in Dallas, we did not see that again. So I'm not sure there. I thought they could have ran with it. They could play in the yeah. in the stadium on game day it's time for a mojo moment make the fans oh they play. have to yeah. <laughs> um yeah so he was doing sure. the best austin powers impressions there's no question that has I mean, to be that done. was kind of dumb luck that day that we had brent urban mic'd because he's a character i mean <clears throat> we someone had tipped me off that he was funny so i didn't know that there was like much of a story that lined there with him but we did mic him a couple times this summer just to be kind of like the funny guy and it worked out that it was like that day that they started that. I think it really was that day. Um, and we got those Austin Powers sound bites off of him. Do you know if Austin Powers is on HBO Max? Because I was wondering that. Like, it's, you know, that has to, like, it has to be at this point, given, you know. Also, that's, a, that's another technical question. This year you had to deal with HBO Max. That's a whole different wrinkle, I feel like. I mean, that's not us. That's on HBO. To... Still, though, it's crazy. It's a it's a new frontier. I mean, it's it's wild. It is, but hopefully, it gets more people watching because of it. So, um, yeah, but that's that's their that's their problem. That's one thing I don't have to worry about. <laughs> um, okay, it's very late for Shannon. She has stayed up super late because she's a rock star. So we just have Thank some quick so final. Uh, speed round sort of things. Um, you can keep them short and sweet, Shannon. You are the goat for joining us. Um, again, Shannon, for a minute. Everything Shannon has worked on is amazing uh, as far as NFL films is concerned. I can vouch for that. Um, and nobody works harder. But so what is, if I mean, like if you 
if you had to pick the one thing, like one scene, because I know that there are scenes that don't make it, like one the the top scene that didn't make it, and it, it could be like a, a mundane activity. But what what was it that you couldn't fit in that you just had to cut off that you are bummed about? I seriously don't know. We were really like proud of ourselves that all of our stuff got in the show. I'm trying to think. Um, it was more chess scenes, wasn't it? <laughs> there wasn't. We wanted there to be more. Michael was supposed to win and then play Amari. I told then, you. He- we we were all kind of shocked, if I'm being honest with uh, you, that there was not a Micah Amari chess scene after everything that happened. We thought you were putting the rookie in his place by showing him losing at everything, right? He's getting <laughs> burned by a fullback. He's losing it just to the backup quarterback. We thought there was this like motif of, hey, Rook, <laughs> you still got a lot to learn in this thing. Well, he'll kill me if he hears me say this, but I don't really think he would have had a shot at beating Amari, so... Once he already <laughs> lost to Ben DiNucci, seeing Micah lose again <laughs> to Amari. Shannon Furman says Micah can't possibly beat Amari. In... <laughs> Don't tell him that. Don't tell him that. Israel was a character that we liked a lot and we wanted to try and get in. And we just, we never were able to make that happen. So He's a guy who I think you guys should look out for. He's got a great personality, funny guy. Um, I, he's probably one guy who he was like the next guy in had we been able to introduce someone else. Did they ever have a rookie talent show? Because we've they seen did. that as, okay, they never did one because we've they seen that as like a big highlight. We were all kind of expecting as one uh, texter puts points out, Musto Man 6 mentioned that Boss Man Fat, you know, we have a real rapper on this yeah. team. Um, yeah. And we didn't see any of that. No, you know, no criticism there because not a lot of people would have known that name outside of, you know, people. We have him rapping, you know, when he makes it to the Hall of Fame or something someday, we'll definitely can be able to dig some boss man fat rap out of Okay, the, so you uh, have him rapping. You have we, him rapping. We, we do. How did I forget? Yes, we do. Okay. <laughs> so that's we were stunned because Terrell Basham rapping made the show. So we were like, you know, if if you had if there had been odds on a person to be seen rapping on Hard Knocks this season, he would. I mean, it would have been you know, Boss Man Fat is the heavy favorite, and then I don't know who is. Is I mean, that was a real stunner to us. Um, obviously, I really you know we saw some weird talents. We saw rapping. We saw comedy. Uh, so you know, it is what it is. Yeah, we also Gift saw. Rapping. Um, you know, the combination of food. Would, would you eat, what was it? Was it sweet potato or yams and mac and cheese? Would you eat that in one spoonful, Shannon, yourself? No, no. Yeah, well, that's what I said. Yeah, yeah no. We, yeah, we all uh, agreed. It's I like also, Thanksgiving in a bowl. Come on. No. Uh, Isaac Alarcon got a lot of play. Um, it's, oh, I you mean, said his name so nicely. Hey, I mean, that's what I do. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, he he was some he was so infectious, and his mom and his family and everything about him. And he it, this was a weird, um, a weird. I, I've I've used the word weird several times, and it, it was weird in a good way. But because he had the distinction as part of the NFL's international pathway program, every Cowboys fan knew that he was safe on the practice squad, which is a different factor than you normally have going into hard knocks. Because you're like, if this guy gets cut, you know, like you don't have that kind of safety net to fall on. Uh, what was he like to work with? And I, and he posted on his Instagram story. He got cake. Can you tell us the story about him getting the cake? Yeah, we uh, we did end up getting. I found out that the cake was from a Dallas bakery. Um, so once we got back to De- well, I mean the last week we did we bought it for him, and we were actually going to have 
um, Tyron Smith and Zach Martin give it to him on camera. But by the time we got it, it was, we had already kind of wrapped shooting. So we just left it at his locker instead. So we didn't get, we didn't get to film that, but we wanted to give it to him still. So I did see him post it on Instagram, but um, he was great. I mean, he was very focused on, he really wanted to make the 53. So he was super focused on that. And like we said earlier, O-linemen can be a little bit more difficult to get to do these things. So um, it was good that we had his family uh, to kind of fall back on and kind of take some of the pressure off of him from being in the show. But it is such an interesting story. So we really wanted to highlight that. And we know he has a huge fan base in Mexico. So um I mean, he, he was great and it's kind of cool to see that I know coach thinks he's made such a huge jump from last year and just to see kind of, I mean, the dude looks like, dude, can you look any more like an offensive lineman? Like he just like, he's huge. Um, and athletic though, not just, just huge. So, well, we'll be rooting for him. I hope, I hope he gets a chance to make the actual roster. So I, well, I guess he can make it this year. They changed the rules so he can, actually get moved to the 53 man at some point um possibly so yeah it was fun to cover that and the director who worked with him she's colombian and she's fluent in spanish so she did all of his interviews in spanish i know that was fun for her to be able to do that so it was pretty cool tell us more about aiden diggs just because he he really Oh, no, I need to ahead. know. I need to know the logistics of the DAC scene. Like getting, like I'm sure he was easy to get to, like do this. But telling him about how Aiden had talked about him and the not Patrick Mahomes stuff. Like, did you get to break the news that he wasn't sure who was who? Or <laughs> no, I mean that was all Aiden as far as that goes. There, I mean setting up the shoot was just kind of like I said, DAC. Like, oh, I want to. We want to make you meet Aiden. We want to get you because we were hoping he'd meet him after the game that day, and then um, he he didn't get he didn't get a chance to. I guess they like just missed each other, and he obviously didn't know about Aiden yet. He hadn't seen the show at that point yet, so he didn't. And I, like I had kind of told him a little bit about it, but he didn't know in full what like how great he was. So after he saw the show, I mean, he was all in. And then we worked with PR to figure out where the best place was to do this. Um, so we just, we went to the ice cream shop right across the street at the star and uh, they were great. They shut the place down for us. Uh, I actually, I was with Dak. So I walked over with Dak while Aiden and Trayvon and um, Stephanie, the mom were all kind of waiting there. So no one prepped him. He didn't know Dak was coming. It was a surprise um, and it was fantastic. And then I, I ran, he said something about throwing the football. So I like legit ran out of the ice cream place, went to the Cowboys pro shop, bought a football. You bought ran, it? Yeah, I just bought a football in the pro <laughs> shop and then, um, nice. and then gave it like just threw it at Aiden sitting there eating his ice cream. And then they went outside and they played football. And they didn't then make Cowboys PR told me that that was the first time they've ever seen the field completely empty. Like there wasn't one person on it when we ran over there. So that was cool. No yoga classes. Like <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I have a weird question about that. Have you ever, you've done so many of these and, and worked with so many players and so many coaches. Have you like, is that common for, for a, a, a player's son to love or idolize or be a fan of the team's quarterback or a different player on the team like that. I know uh, Tyron Matthew had a lot of fans on the Cardinals. I mean, things like that. Like is, is, 
is that a rarity? How common is that? I mean, just because I think every Cowboys fan watches that and, and is just kind of like, wow, this is so interesting that, you know, his teammate's son is a big fan of him. His teammate's son wants an autographed jersey. That's just an interesting wrinkle to this. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen it before. Um, I think that was a first for us. We were saying that, like, our cutest kid before that was probably this long shot guy, Austin Hill's daughter in the Ram season. But yeah, I had definitely never seen anything like this. I mean, Aiden's like a four-year-old that speaks like he's like 15 or 16 years old. I mean, he's, he's fantastic. So uh, yes, he's intelligent. He's very intelligent. (laughs) Um, yeah, he was great. And none of it was staged. I mean, like I like I knew immediately the second he came up to me, I'm like, he's going to be all- I mean, we put a mic on him. We don't normally mic kids like normally the sound from a kid comes from the boom mic and stuff. But he was so talkative I and mean, he talks 10 times as much as his father. <laughs> like, so we, we yeah, we I had pictures of him getting mic'd up. So that was also a first for me. Um, what what did CD's candles smell like? I wasn't on that shoot, Michelle. Well, what's the word on what CD's candles smell like? Because everyone needs to know. Um, they're they're fantastic. They're uh, I should have asked Michelle. You should have prepped me ahead of time. I did. I did all of like Dak and Zeke's shoots. Um, I let my staff kind of work with all of the other guys. So, uh, she did say. I mean, I know Michelle said that the second she like that shoot was not supposed to be about his candles and what things smell like. And she said she walked into his room and was like, oh my goodness, like it smells so good in here. And that's how the whole candle conversation even started. Um, yeah, I forgot about it till tonight's episode when you had the callback. That was really nice. Um, great <laughs> filmmaking by you. I have one last one. And then if Megan Roy have one last one, I imagine they do. Um, and then we'll let you get to bed, Shannon. Again, you are the best. Um, what was the, I what have, was a I moment? have the last one, by the way. So okay. I'm playing so, the last tips. What was, I, I, I would assume I I'm such an NFL films wannabe, as you know, Shannon, but I would assume that when you guys put together the final cut, there's some sort of conversation like this is going to be the moment like th- this is what everyone's going to be talking about. Like the drone video had to have been that. But with, with the exception of the drone video, what was kind of the thing you were the most right on, like the most viral, most talked about thing that you knew the moment you shot it, the moment you saw it, whatever, that people were going to be talking about that scene? I mean, on it, like it was probably Aiden. Like once mm. we once we shot him at the game that night, like I knew he was super cute at the house. But then once we did the game with him and he's like, stay focused, believe in yourself. Like, I mean, it was like everyone, if you're not obsessed with this kid, you have no heart. Okay. You know, use, using the cute kid is the answer. Kind of a cheat move, but it is what it is. You know, <laughs> the truth. The I would have thought I would have thought it was going to be like the Zeke rapping thing. Like he that, does the... this to me all the time. <laughs> I you mean, know. I would like to say the Zeke rapping thing because that was like all my idea, but um, <laughs> so I almost like forget about that because it happened so long ago at this point. Um, but yeah, that that will probably go down as one of my favorite scenes I've ever done at Hard Knocks because my face hurt from smiling. Like it just was so ridiculous and awesome like i wanted to just jump in there and wrap the gift for i love to gift wrap so i was like oh my god let me just help you because this is so ridiculous right now but um, was the deck knock planned because that was really fortuitous no. timing that was perfect i i it really seemed like that was planned if, if no and when he knocked i don't even know how they got my voice out of it because i kind of was like i thought it was one of our crew members 
So I was like about to like yell at like someone for knocking on the door and interrupting the middle of the scene. And then my camera guy was like, I don't think it's a crew member, Shan. Like, and I was like, oh, then who is it? And yeah, it was Dak. Do you have a last one for Shannon the goat, Furman? <laughs> um, just first of all, thanks for Hard Knocks this year. It was amazing. I'm so excited. I'm going to rewatch it like tomorrow. So <laughs> in its entirety, but um, just... Give us a little uh, little Zeke preview. How good do you think this guy is going to be this year? And, like, do you just love seeing him interact with his teammates? Because that was fun. I mean, it was awesome for me. I'll say this about Zeke. Like, I didn't get to work with him a ton in 2017. That was the year he was suspended. Um, so we didn't get to do much with him. Ever since that year, every time I see him, he knows my name. He uses my name when he sees me and says hello to me. He's always pleasant to be around. I could listen to his laugh for days. I mean, I had him in my ears at those games where he was miked and he just made me laugh the whole night. Um, he looks like he's in phenomenal shape right now. Uh, his teammates love him. I have, I think he's going to have a great year. Um, it just seems like he's in a really good spot in his life right now. So I will definitely be rooting for him and he's an Ohio state guy. I don't do that easily. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Well, we'll Roy, leave you, you were bragging about your one. question. Yeah, we'll leave you with the last one, Shannon. The easiest one of the night, I'm sure. Uh, so after getting to see the Cowboys up close, they look phenomenal, as you know. How much are they going to beat the Bucks by on <laughs> Thursday night when they travel to Tampa and take on the world champs? Um, I'll say they're going to win by a touchdown. All right, right. I, I so like I, I don't know. I think that I think they definitely have a chance. I their starting lineup is stacked, so. There's no reason why they, they shouldn't be in that game. So um, I'm excited. The Bucks are like one of my also favorite teams, though, too. <laughs> That's fair. They give you a good hard knocks. So <laughs> they're, they're my two favorite locker rooms from hard knocks, to be honest with you. And there's still a lot of guys on that Bucks team. Um, just like, like Mike Evans is one of my favorite people on earth. So, and Levante David. So, um, but yeah, but I'll, the Cowboys have a, I'm going to cheer for the Cowboys instead of the Eagles this year. So. Woo. Oh, yeah, well, that's yeah, well said. That's, I mean, that's um, just a smart, natural Shannon, thing to do. And the Eagles, every, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, Everyone just, wants Shannon, um, like a behind the scenes, like an extras. We live in a day and age, like NFL films has a YouTube channel, you know, like we don't, you know, we don't have to let all this stuff be lost to the vault anymore. You know what I mean? Like we need to see boss man fat rapping. We need to see the outtakes with Aiden, you know, um, we they need put to see stuff like that on social after the fact. So we'll see if they can do that. I mean, that's, that's what we're asking for kindly. Um, <laughs> is if we haven't asked for enough, Wait, I, think I think I might need to get my charger. Do we, are we, my phone's dying. No, that's a good, that's a good way to end it. That's, that's symbolic. Shannon Furman, thank you so much. Congratulations on another season of Hard Knocks. You guys killed it. NFL Films, awesome. the absolute best in the business. You did a phenomenal job. I uh, can't wait to see uh, the feature you guys put together on the 2021 Dallas Cowboys to win the Super Bowl. It's going to be awesome. Uh, thank, you so, thank you so much for joining us, Shannon. Um, enjoy football season. No problem. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Shannon. Bye.